Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. We've been feeling nostalgia. We've been feeling nostalgic lately and revisiting a lot of old topics, or at least realizing how much was left out before. God, so much. So, so today much. we say, I'll be back and revisit that delicious spring beer. Sure, it's not the season, but box season is more of a state of mind anyway. We'll go over this early beer and figure out why there are so many damn goats. And maybe have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. Uh, I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. And that's a bunch of crazy-ass cats. <laughs> Meow! You all did this. You didn't have to live like this. I know. Yeah. No, we, we do all of this to ourselves. They've started shedding now. Mostly Jonesy. I mean, I thought they'd been doing that. Th- Shed! Shedding! Shed. Gotcha. <laughs> yes, I know I have an accent. Oh my god, cat. <laughs> <laughs> at, at every night it gets to that that scene in community on the Halloween episode when they're 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 in the dark like part they're of the in school the basement or whatever yeah and... the cat just like randomly flies across the screen and he's just like what is with the cat <laughs> is someone throwing it that's where we're at <laughs> every night they shoot out of random places and it's a herd of small ponies the neighbors have been beating <laughs> on their ceiling at five in the morning. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Cats, you what do you do? So yeah, <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. So you all have been having so much fun, it sounds like. Actually, we have. Um, I think since last episode, we went to see uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. And it's the greatest the Ninja Turtles have ever been. Ooh, that's no a that's a that's a high bar. It's a it's yeah, so good. I don't know. The high bar for Ninja Turtles was set in the nineties. They've not been able to top it since. I was going to say that the the first live action movie is actually very good. I was going to say no. Uh, the high bars for Ninja Turtles before Mutant Mayhem would have been the original animated series and the live action first live action movie. Yes, and. Uh, this is like, let's take those and wad them up into a ball with the original comic. And then they throw, and then that's what Mutant Mayhem is like. And it's actual teenagers. Oh, did they, uh, did they all kill, uh, kill, uh, uh Shredder in the, the first, like, there is no five Shredder. minutes? There's no Shredder. 
Mm. I yeah, I know, but um, but for the better, I like the movie. It just also Ice Cube plays the villain, Superfly, and it's great. So <laughs> wonderful! Oh my! Because I, he's just Ice Cube. Like he's in there, just like cursing. I think he drops some f bombs, and <laughs> I'm just like, all right. <laughs> I'm here for it. He's like, don't give me that shit. Yeah. <laughs> as a, as a super, and we're like, um. So uh, your your son got to. <laughs> yeah, he was. There were some like legitimately. It was kind of, I don't know, trippy or, or disturbing, kind of, kind of scary parts. When um, when I, he gets covered in ooze and falls into the the zoo, and all the animals are like absorbing into him. Oh, oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh, my God. It becomes this big <laughs> amalgamation kaiju. And then, a ho- like, was they hit him with something, and, like, a horse falls out of his leg. And he's like, I don't even need that horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, no, but the the art style is what kind of, like, there's a couple of things you're like, oh, ooh. But, other, like, I saw the art style is also amazing. Some great quotes about the art style. They said they wanted it to look like... Uh, a teenager's doodles in the margins of their schoolwork, mm-hmm. and they wanted it to be so sloppy that AI could never duplicate it. <laughs> yeah, but le- legitimately, like all of it, Jackie Chan as Splinter, the greatest, is maybe yeah, like one of the best things that's ever he's, happened. <laughs> he's not. I don't think they ever call him Splinter. No, they just call him Dad. They call him Dad or Rat Dad oh. because everyone just calls him Rat Dad. It's kind of what it is. Uh, and it's what he is. He's like a late eight, late eighties single dad in New York. He's even got a Jerry curl in the it's beginning. Amazing, <laughs> so uh, good. They they did. They, I think they're still doing. But there's a, a a more recent comic run of uh, Ninja Turtles, and if I remember reading it when it first came out, and it was like really really fun. But they had uh uh. uh it it, it it was done with like cons, uh, cons, consulting one of the original mm. uh, creators because uh, two of them don't really get along well anymore. Uh, but it had, uh, uh, you know, they had like the very like splinter is your father kind of thing. Uh, they, they went the angle that, because uh, like there's, there's two ways splinter goes. He is either a sentient rat that got covered in ooze and learned ninjutsu from his teacher. <laughs> yeah, or he's a human that got turned into a rat, which is how the cartoon did it. Throw both those out the window. They yeah, made that's up a new not one. A... <laughs> this one, he's a rat that got you know turned into a thing, but also he's got genetically got the memories of a uh, he's like uh, the of a a medieval Japanese ninja, like a. a like like the fourteen hundreds, yeah, I remember and, that. And the turtles are are the reincarnations of his children as well. Like they have memories like buried in their mind of someone. Else. So like one at one point in the comic, Mikey like sees some like kanji and he just reads it out. And they go, Mikey, you can read Japanese. I can read Japanese. I can read so much more manga now. <laughs> so it's, I don't know the. I, I just highly recommend everyone see it if you like Ninja Turtles. No joke. Like if it's, I've, I don't know. If, I assume it might be streaming, but I have no idea. Not it's, yet. Like not I mean, yet. not yet. I mean, like when it comes out, because like it took a while for the Mario movie to stream on anything. Yeah, but take everything you think you know about the Ninja Turtles and just throw it out the window. 
because they <sighs> a lot. <laughs> Bob's like, I don't know how to. I don't know what that means. I mean, this them getting covered in ooze. That's about it. Everything does, else changes. <laughs> does Does Matthew Murdoch still give them their powers? No. He's not there. He is not present for the ooze. It has a very interesting story about how the ooze occurred. Yeah, they change up a lot of the origins of the ooze. See, I still love the fact that Daredevil... It's an alternate world where Daredevil does not get his powers. Mm. Instead, he saves saves these people and four turtles get... get, Four turtles and a rat get turned into, into ninjas. And so it's one of the the things that you could knock it for, but it's also great, is it's an action comedy with very little action. Mm -hmm. Like, there may be two fight sequences. But it's fine, because the first one is to the No Diggity song. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, no, that one's a fight montage. Because it's of them, like, hunting down a cartel, but it's to No Diggity. (laughs) No doubt. Like the soundtrack is actually just. just Sorry, it. I'm picturing like at the end of it, like they've they've like there's there's, you know, something comes up and you just see like Michelangelo hit him with a nunchuck. Going, I like the way you work it. That's kind of uh, what it you're is. Not far off. Only actually. it breaks down into like comic cells while it's playing No Diggity <laughs> and showing them. Uh, anyway, it, it's yes. I, I we want to say so much. Watch who, the movie, who, like no joke. It's so who, good. Who who did your son come out of there going? This is my favorite Ninja Turtle. Ninja Turtle. He's upset. Okay. There's not a green Ninja Turtle. They they are green. No, no like, there's like a, you know. he wants one with a green bandana because green's his favorite color. Honestly, Today. the movie got too loud, so he ended up not liking it. Oh. It we didn't go to like a sensory showing, which we should have. And it got like it, it hurt my ears. It got so loud at the end, and I was just like, Jesus. You know. The older I get, the more I appreciate sensory showings. <laughs> like today with the kids going so crazy, I put on my noise-canceling headphones in the in the kitchen as I was working in there. I was just like, you know what? I'm just not going to I'm not going to listen to the screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? Daddy's going to go to his happy place. Well, uh one last thing uh since we are Three weeks away from Disney World? Yeah. Uh, we tried to show Emmett the Boo to You parade, and immediately, like within seconds of seeing characters, he goes, hmm, I don't think those are the Disney characters. I think it's just someone pretending to be the Disney characters. <laughs> and I'm just like, could you, could you like not <laughs> for five seconds? Could you not be so smart? I'm so proud of him. It's like, so, just quit being so suspicious of everything. This is uh, this is this is me. This is me on uh, uh, some like at one point at my grandparents, someone came in dressed as Santa. It's one of my earliest memories, and I'm like looking up at it, and I reach up, and I'm like, I had been like three or four, and I grab a hold of the beard, and I pull down, and it revealed that it's not Santa, and I went, oh, not Santa. <laughs> and they all they all start laughing, but they're just like, "How did he know? How did he know to tug?" Yeah, that's that's probably where we're gonna be at. But whatever, I don't. The boy can spot a fake beard a mile off. Fair. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of training. Okay, let, uh, I know we need to move on to other people, and because it's a long episode, I just want to highlight real quick. 
the other <laughs> thing we've been doing. Oh yeah, the plus plus Pokemon. We got the the plus plus, and nice, very handy, might I say. <laughs> That'll come uh, in very handy at Disney because you literally just turn it on it and vibrates. It, just, it plays the game itself. Kinda. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of running away of the Pokemon, and I'm like, did you try? Yeah, but, it's only like it only catches things like half the time. Yeah, but it'll spin the poke Pokestops, which is still nice. So, oh, okay. It's because uh, that's the big thing is like just having enough balls to be able to like catch everything like that. Yeah, never had too much trouble having balls. But then the also, this is where this is a new one. It does the sleep tracking with the new Pokemon Sleep app. And, oh yeah, you lay it on your pillow or whatever. Yeah, and plus you get a special research in Pokemon Go for using this to sleep, track sleep. <laughs> and you get a Snorlax wearing a sleeping cap. Yeah, that's. The I feel like here. they've made the game much more complicated than when I last left. <laughs> but today I got, a, we both got Snorlax wearing a cowboy hat. Mm -hmm. You tell me which is better. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> All right. Picture, picture a Snorlax that talks like Sam Elliott. <laughs> I just picture one. No, I picture one that's more of um, what's it? The sheriff, like hound dog from Five Will Goes West. It's always sleeping. Oh, and he's just like mm -hmm. blowing through his mustache. That's a um, I can't remember his uh, name, but he's actually descended from like Wild West folk. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's like meant to be like a Wyatt Earp. Uh, oh. It's Wild Burp. Yeah, Wyatt. Yeah, Wyatt Burp or something like that. Yeah, but. That's voiced by Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. The man who shot Liberty Valance. <laughs> it's getting real reference. movie nerdy. So, uh, Casey, what have you been up to? Oh. Um, canning. <laughs> so I've been like... Um, oh, what beer? What brewery are you canning? No, not quite. Um We've been, although I did can, we've canned like some sour beer. I'm interested to see how that treats the can before it eats through it. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, you come out just like, oh, God, no. It's too sour. So uh, it's harvest season. So we've at home been buying up a lot of like farmer's market produce and stuff and uh, canning it up. Um, I bought like 20 pounds of tomatoes today. Uh, did I ordered 10 pounds of uh, fall bean. Um, I bought a bushel of a bean last week, and it took me the whole week to string them because they were a small bean as well. So it was, it was like every bean was like one one postage stamp worth of of weight. You should have uh, should have uh, got a peck peck of pickled peppers. Mm. Well, um, I am going to be probably heading down to Lincoln County soon to go to their auction, maybe on. Late Labor Day? What's the next one? Labor Day Labor is Day. next yeah. week. Labor Day, yes. Oh, not week, week after next, yeah. On Labor Day, I plan on going down there and, and going to the auction, uh, the produce auction. So, you oh. know, they'll have huh. thousands of pounds no. of produce, and you can just bid on it and get what you what you want. We need um, to get you some pennies on the dollars. good beans to make you some leather britches. You can string yeah. them up in the rafters of the carport to dry them out. Yep. I like yeah. all other bridges. We keep a we keep a stash. Uh, Dad keeps a stash uh, uh, at the house, and every so often, Mom like breaks them out, rehydrates them, and it's I was time. Say, to... They pretty much don't go bad. I'm sure at some no. point they do, but 
No, I keep mine in the freezer. After That's going to say they, they get them in the freezer and they. Yeah, they don't freezer burn because there's no moisture. And then anything else that would have hit them is, is there. You know, I want to do a whole deep dive on beans, but this isn't the show for that one. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, that feels I'll I'll do a, a bean podcast with anybody any day. Like we can start us a bean podcast. That could have be a, a nice. Home. It'll have be a nice uh, side project for like the short form videos we need to figure out sometime. Yeah, but right. but man, that's all I can think of though is like uh, uh, I came to beans late in life, didn't like them when I was a kid, and then I got older. I'm like outside of like you know like uh, um, kidney beans and chili. Now like, now but now I'm an adult. I'm like no, I want them all. All after, the beans. after salt, like just think how many cultures have bean culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they all every have culture bean. out there has beans. Doesn't matter what continent you're on, they've got a bean culture. Yep. And then, it, it, and it's not the same with like rice. Like every culture doesn't have rice. There's a lot, but beans top rice in this situation. Rice is difficult to. to it, it's it's uh not every climate is <laughs> yeah. there for rice, but every climate is there for beans. Uh, beans. A uh, lot. A lot of cultures. Way. Yes, a lot of cultures do like those some red beans and rice. They they don't miss her. Look, miss the, her. the three the three sisters. There's something going on with that. Uh, your old your old <laughs> beans and corn. But uh, I, when I go to the Lincoln County auction, I'm I'm bringing a full pickup truck down there, and my my hope is maybe to pick up a whole pallet of watermelons, and uh, nice. come back with a watermelon beer. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, I already asked my brewer. It was like, hey, how do you feel about like doing a whole pound of watermelons. I'll do whatever. She told him it's <laughs> gonna be, you're gonna do it all Gallagher style. <laughs> I don't know yeah. how we're gonna shell out, you know, 160 watermelons. You gotta make it. You gotta name it something with Gallagher. Mm. Nice. It's 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 Gallagher two, uh, or is it Gallagher three? Oh. <gasps> That's that's such a deep joke that I don't even want to explain. Yeah, no, it doesn't know. That's one of those ones. I bet, I, I bet, I bet people on this show don't know what we're talking about. If you didn't, fo- if you didn't follow '80s stand-up comedy, like you have no <laughs> then, idea. Then, then what's wrong with your life? What you've made some poor choices. Uh, God. Sorry, that we which is part of the show where me and Chris just try to make each other laugh. Yeah. It starts uh, when Brittany says, uh, no. today's podcast is brought to you about, and it ends. Uh, no, people don't realize it. it started with the name of the document and then the <laughs> intro you wrote me, <laughs> where I revised the name of the document to reference the intro you wrote me to make us both laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I desperately oh, wish we had recorded that time with Ken, Kent, uh, when he was talking about, like, he basically laid out what the show is in a nutshell, and we're like... <laughs> Yeah, it's really good, actually. <laughs> that's, that's very astute. Well, I mean, he's, he said it a couple of times. They've said it on a ritual misery that I was on because they were like, yeah, no, Brit- you know, Brittany keeps everyone kind of in line. Does a lot of like the, the, the producing end. Casey's a knowledgeable one. Uh, Chris knows a lot of the, the local scene and he's like got a lot of bourbon, you know, got a lot of uh, uh, other knowledge. And Bob's a dancing monkey. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, speaking of the dancing monkey, what have you been up to? I've been playing Baldur's Gate three. It's time to do the episode. <laughs> Literally, it's all. It, 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 there's been hardly. It's been working and playing this game. It's a lot of fun. 
it's 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 old it's 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 old RPG, like computer RPG stuff. It's <laughs> I can I, I, see the front the old frame rate. Like it just you say it and it just pops up in my head, and I'm just like. Oh, the '90s wash over me. Some someone, uh, a friend of mine's been playing it. He never played the old games, and oh, he was saying uh, uh, how he, he met Minsk for the first time in this game, mm. and he's like, "Oh, he's simple." And I said, "If if kicking the if kicking butt for justice is simple, I don't want to be complex." <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been doing the last uh, last few weeks since it's come out. Uh, Commendable. And, yeah. I don't have a family to have to like pay attention to. I just sort of... <laughs> well, I can be I mean, selfish. I, 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 from what I hear, that game is... Uh, everyone has that thing going on <laughs> with that game. It, it has developers shaking in their boots. Because it's not like there's no way to make money off of it other than their straight up front they, sales, and they're like, every, all, "It's doing good." Uh. All of my friends are like very confused. Like, yeah, well, when the DLC comes out, and I have to keep telling them, "I don't know that it's getting DLC." And they went, uh. "What do you mean?" The developers have said like they wanted to put out as complete a game as they could. They are discussing the potential of maybe doing that, or at least doing some patches. But like, these are the guys who did like the Divinity and, uh, and Divinity Original Sin. Those didn't get uh, 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 DLC. They did get, uh, if you had bought the, the originals, they did give you a free upgrade to the enhanced edition, though. Yeah. Like, like they, say, are, they, are, they are very big on, like, upgrading and making a good experience for, for their fan base. So That's because after Baldur's Gate 2, there weren't, like, rehashes and all kind of, like, every, no. It just took them 20 years to crap us out the third one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, di- yeah, different studio because because well, yeah. Bioware went off to, uh, to to their own IP stuff. But it's, uh, it's been a it, it's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I haven't uh, I've recruited the bear. I have not not engaged in any kind of uh, liaisons yet. You haven't let the bear penetrate you yet. Uh, that's I mean that's that's the big noticeable thing of the the, the game like that's what that's how it became the best selling game on Steam that week. <laughs> Everyone's like, I can do what to a bear? I'm in. They all beca- they all became the the Rick and Morty meme of the the son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> yep, that's all that. Then they're like, oh, that's a great meme. All right, let's get in it. By it, I mean the bear. Yeah, and I also mean the topic. Yes, goats. You know what we should have had queued up? The chorus from Hadron. Because oh. Amon Marth just really, like last week released their uh, new song, Hadron, which is the goat in Valhalla that uh, mm. secretes the greatest mead in the afterlife. And it it stands on the roof of Valhalla screaming. And the chorus uh, is them singing, and then it stops, and then you just get a goat going, uh, And then they're yes. just like chanting, Hadron, Hadron. And then it goes back into death metal. <laughs> well, 
we are back to we're back at box the last time we discussed bach beer was one of our early beer episodes and let's face it we were lazy i mean we still are but we've greatly refined our research and skim reading abilities ain't that the truth <laughs> uh it's time we gave the style the attention it deserves and not just reading from the bjcp uh with that in mind we aren't going to dwell too much on the modern style or brewing that's a whole other can of worms but instead we're going to give you the hardcore history version of uh bach beer <laughs> i like the line don't threaten me with a good time yeah so a story begins back in the middle ages northern germany this would have been known as saxony this would have been known as part of saxony that's how far back i had to explain to someone uh about uh like yeah, I mean they're like Germanic in the English language, and they went from where <laughs> the Angles, and the Saxons, and they went what the Anglo-Saxons? They're Germanic tribes that <laughs> they went. They are. Oh God! All right, I've got some more context I've got to give you. All right, let's and then. So the yeah, this is basically that point. So we're like, hey, this is where we are now. Get ready for. Uh, all of Bob reading as just the preamble, as the setup for the story of Bach Beer, because you got to know kind of the setting of the world right then. I mean, this is like how uh, hardcore. It, it, you mentioned hardcore history. He did uh, a, a series in the rise and, on the fall of the Roman Empire, and that all happened because he wanted to tell a story about Cleopatra, <laughs> but he kept going back for context. <laughs> And it turned into something else. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. I wouldn't be able to just start at one thing. It'd end up being, ah, we. Anyway. Funny uh, you should mention the Holy Roman Empire. Nothing holy or Roman about them. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, uh, in northern Germany, there was a little town by the name of Einbeck. Or Einbeck. Or Imbach. As documents have it spelled, uh, variously spelled it uh, in the 13th century. And in fairness, spelling was more of a suggestion then. They hadn't really. <laughs> yeah. More of a suggestion, really. Go ahead, Mark your Eddie Izzard references. <laughs> uh, that's, that was, that's a more subtle one than normal. Mm. Uh, uh, let's set the stage with some background on how Europe was loosely organized at the time. We promise this is important to the setting, uh, to, to the overall story. The medieval period was a time of social fragmentation and strife. Uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire, feudalism became the political rule of Europe, and uh, Europe was shattered into many small kingdoms and duchies, especially any German-speaking areas. Yep. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, uh, political power was in constant flux between the papacy, German emperor, heir to the Holy Roman Empire, kings, princes, dukes, uh, German as well as French, Danish, Italian, and Swedish, and the free cities. <laughs> if it's uh, just, like the convolutedness of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever, uh, whenever it appeared that one political force would reach a position of dominance, one or more of the others would cooperate just long enough to tear it back down. Honestly, it is part of the reason why it was like you could make a case that it was holding back uh, uh, 
development in the region uh uh while you know china and uh some of the the uh arab kingdoms uh were just kind of like well we've made everything nice and stable now the science can begin yeah uh this is keeping things well if it never gets stable the science never begins and then we get the dark ages until we get to a certain point uh then then we've stolen enough of their knowledge and uh, can can really take off and colonize. Uh, oh, history. Yeah. Uh, real quick aside, uh, there is uh, uh, the, the former college humor people do a uh, improv thing now called Make Some Noise. Uh, it's one of the, the their various shows, uh, a dumb game show thing. In uh, this one, uh, they were trying to do singing, and they got Wayne Brady on there. <sighs> yeah, and Wayne Brady uh, frequently just starts calling people colonizers, and I'm like, <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, not like not the people in the show, but like you know, talking about. And I'm like, I I approve this message. Uh, <laughs> Stand up, man. Anyway, the Free City, uh, Free Seas involved as a result of placing their support behind uh, some other faction who, upon winning the battle, would grant them a charter because they became they became regional centers of commerce, uh, uh, for that was their strength. Most of the prevalent, uh, this uh, they were most prevalent at the furthest reaches of the Holy Roman Empire, where the Pope or the German Emperor had little uh, had less influence. When they were out of reach of that that long arm of the law. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the, the 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 Thirty Years' War is fascinating for. Oh, the... don't worry, we're getting oh, there. I, oh, I know, like we're getting. I, I see, I see leagues popping up, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the little tiny areas that dot that place, where you're just like, how are wars happening? The scale of the conflicts were a little bit smaller, uh, but yeah, scale in terms of like how big the armies are. Territory-wise, it was about as big as it always was. But yeah. Uh, anyway, Bremen, Lübeck, and Hamburg were uh, perhaps the largest of the free cities uh, in the north. The former two, located on the east side of the Danish peninsula, over time developed a brisk merchant trade with them, connecting the Baltic with the northern seas. However, as the Danes uh, proved fierce raiders, these merchants uh, united to protect the, uh, protect the road between them. This uh, confederation, or Hans, grew into a uh, large, loosely held trading association known as the Hanseatic League. Uh, the League was formed to protect each city's economic interests. Together, they uh, grew to control all the trade through the, northern, uh, through the North and Baltic Seas. They built trade houses in a number of foreign ports. They dealt in foreign, uh, with foreign governments to secure exclusive trading rights. Uh, at its height, the League included 80 cities all of them led by the city of Lubbock, uh, or Lubbock. I forget which way it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, one of the uh, their specialties of the of many of the Hansa cities was their beer, which was highly regarded, uh, commanding a premium price far and wide. This is uh, also where a lot of the tradition uh, uh, of other countries are just going like, yeah, they're just some drunk northern Germans. Who cares what they? They're 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 a bunch of diffused powers. We're like the true centers of power, like France, Italy. Well, not Italy, that they were broken up too, but France and <laughs> Austria were uh you know, the true 
true powers, and there's some island up there that occasionally might do something. <laughs> might get a little rowdy. Uh, uh, do, 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 lost my place. Uh, thank you. Uh, the freedom to brew for sale was not a widespread privilege in medieval times. The church or nobility reserved this right themselves, granting it to others only when it suited them. This is why you would have, like, you know, the, the you know, whatever brewer of the, you know, local lord. I, I can't say a one thing, because it's like some of them are kings, some of them are princes. There's a, oh, what's a... What is one of uh, that? There were some that were not religious, but they were the uh, uh, what were they called? It, it's something like, like a uh, it's like a bishopric, but it's not run by the church or something. It, it gets weird. Uh, but the church had to have their fingers in that pie, basically. Yeah. Uh, usually such a grant was made when the authorities grew tired or unable to brew themselves, uh, and then only then uh, in exchange for taxes that could be raised by the uh, by dint of the brewer's craft. Whether the right to brew was granted a, uh, to a city, a brewer's guild would spring uh, – sorry, whenever a right to brew was granted to a city, brewer's guild would spring up to regulate what was brewed and when and how much was made by each brewer. At this point uh, in my head, Terry Pratchett just starts ringing. I'm just like it's it's Ankh Morpork, like that's what this the whole area did just become. It's just these strange niche guilds running everything. They uh, uh, <laughs> I also love like, like these brewers are doing this. They also have no concept of what yeast is. Then yeah, <laughs> uh, they are essentially doing magic. To them, uh, yeah, the magic wand was the paddle. That's why it goes so well with the religious aspect. Yeah. Uh, each city's beer had its own character as praised for its features. Historic records show that some beers were regarded for their nutritional character, while others medicinal purpose. And take a note. Uh, and note was taken of each beer's alcoholic strength. Ah, uh, yes. Back in the medieval period when you had to get your beer card to... It's like, oh, you know, I've, I'm, I'm depressed. Oh, well, here's this. Uh, and also, here are some, some leeches. That'll help bleed you of, of your poor humors. Well, if you insist. Uh, Einbeck began as, a, uh, as an estate held by nobles living in the great Hansa city of Hamburg. Grew into a small town. Eventually was given a charter as a city sometime between 12, uh, 1203 and uh, 1256. Uh, by then, Einbeck had grown large enough to join the League. Uh, it had the fortune to be founded in the center of hop gardening, just when, the, uh, when hop usage was first blossoming in Germany, and uh, in, uh, in place not under control of the church. This latter aspect means there was no taxing authority uh, to determine the use of Gruet, which, uh, combi uh, which combined with ready to supply of fresh hops, undoubtedly aided the fla flavor of the Einbeck products. They're just like, it's just one of those things where you look at it and obviously hindsight's 2020 and you could see how every domino fell perfectly to make this beer happen. Uh, it also may have helped, uh, the, uh, helped the beer to remain stable throughout the time it took to transport it 
Over the next century, Einbeck became a renowned brewing center, outstripping the fame of larger neighbors in the league. By 1385, there were 600 private brewing houses, uh, private houses brewing Einbecker uh, beer within the city. The city's mayor was also its chief brewmaster. Man had power. My kind of town. Citizen brewer, uh, brewers would uh, work in cooperative fashion, with brewmasters producing a wort for each of them, and they, and they in turn, tending to the fermentation. I'm just picturing uh, 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 a man in Lederhosen, uh, like near a vat. It's like, attend to my beer. It's simple work, but it's honest. I just see him doing the, in the Lederhosen, doing the snap of the... Yeah. Just higher up because the, the, yeah, the straps cause, are because they're bibbed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's more of a snap on the shoulders, and that's where it comes from, I guess. The the bib overalls of brewing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Casey, you're just continuing a long tradition. It's true. How else are we supposed to keep our pants up? Uh, uh, the city subsequently purchased uh, the output from the private houses, blended the beer, and then warehoused them and brokered the uh, brokered the beer. The trademarked Crown E device uh, was owned by uh, owned by the city, and none of the private brewers was allowed to use it separately. And once I saw a picture of the Crown E, I was like, I've seen that. But yeah, uh, Einbeck's brewing process grew to the point that its beer was exported across the Baltic Sea to Russia, Sweden, and Denmark, and across the North Sea to Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and England. From there, it was also carried by Venetian boats into the Mediterranean. Over land, it was transported throughout the Holy Roman Empire. (laughs) Beer was getting around. Uh, it is written that Einbecker beer was exported as far away as Jerusalem. Jeez. Many of the Hansaport cities had depots specifically constructed for Einbecker beer due to its frequent trade. This would have been. We're in the yeah. We're in the twelve hundreds. Yeah, like twelve. Yeah, we're in the twelfth century. So this would have been. There would have been like Europeans down there crusading. Yeah. Uh. So. So, records indicate that the famous Einbecker beer was composed of one-third wheat malt and two-thirds barley malt, all the palest color available. It was clearly brewed as an ale, but only during the winter, from St. Martin's Day at the end of September through the 1st of May. So, that it may have been... (laughs) and that's when outdoor... Never mind. Copulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, that it may have been lagered or cold-conditioned, as alt beer is today. Such a process would certainly add to the beer's stability. Einbeck uh, maintained its position as a premier brewing center throughout the 14th and 15th centuries. Its beer grew in fame and was frequently a part of lavish gifts. Martin Luther received a present of Einbecker beer on the occasion of his wedding. Hmm. He was also also sustained he was also sustained, I don't know why that was so hard to say, at the Diet of Worms in 1521. I, I know that's pronounced differently. On a cast given <laughs> Vems. On a cast given to him by Duke Eric of Brunswick, since he had given up solid food for Lent. Can I do that? 
Can I supplant solid food with beer for Lent? I know I don't observe Lent, but... Well, as every headline uh, oh, that's in the right. Cincinnati the area will tell you, uh, when Lent comes around, there is a man at 50 West who does it every Lent. Yes, that's right. Sorry, he, I forgot he lost about him for a, a lot of weight doing it. Seems healthy. <laughs> no, uh, I can't remember that. Was... I think it's called malnutrition. Yeah. <laughs> He had to, after the first time he did it, when he went to do it the next year, I can't remember all the supplements he has to take. Uh, Early in the 17th century, however, the Thirty Years' War, combined with the appearance of other free cities in Holland and Poland, the increasingly hostile Danish and Swedish kingdoms, and the rise of that little Prussia, eventually brought down the Hanseatic League, and I'm back with it. The Thirty Years' War is very complicated. I still can't really explain it to anyone, and I've read on the subject a couple of times. I find it interesting. There's a lot of great stuff around it. It it is it can be impenetrable. Yeah. Uh, the northern trade routes, so long monopolized by the League, uh, through its ports, were disrupted, and the financial might of the cities was drained. In 1669, only Lubeck, Bremen, and Hanover were left to officially dissolve the League. With the demise of the League, Einbeck's exports dropped and distribution was confined to northern Germany. In 1650, a fire wiped out much of Einbeck, including its brewery. A new brewery was constructed, but it burned down as well, and eventually replaced by two separate breweries, which also burned down. No. Sunk into the uh, sunk into the swamp. Third brewery. <laughs> Third brewery stood. No, that, that the last bit's all just a good uh, another Eddie Izzard reference. Go ahead and do check your. Uh, no. Who? Monty Python. It's oh Holy Grail. yes. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, influenced Eddie Izzard very. Yeah. Well, over time, these came into private hands and became competing operations. In the 1920s, they merged to form Einbecker Brauhaus, which is now the only brewing concern in Einbeck. Since 1972, it has been a satellite of the Dortmunder Union Schlossheis AG system. Today, it produces over 500,000 barrels, uh, 600,000 hectoliters of beer, and nearly a quarter of that output is... They, uh, the book just refers to it as the strong beer that made Einbeck famous. It's Bach, the it's early, Bach. early Bach. Uh, Bavaria knew of the fame and flavor of the beers from the north. I can't. We just That'll... keep calling it from the north. Yeah, but sorry. All I'm thinking of is like the beer that made Einbeck famous made a fool out of me. That's <laughs> <sighs> kind of getting getting into uh, a later bit. <laughs> but Bavaria knew of the fame and flavor of the beers from the north as they were brought over land to the Munich nobility at the end of the 15th century. Let's dial it back in time now. Uh, they were very well received and may have inspired the famous Reinheitsgebot. Reinheitsgebot. I, I cut out, there was a whole big section on it in the book. And I, I was just like, you know what? We've talked it to death. We don't need to. Um, Beer purity law, which began as local Munich ordinance in 1487. The law was enlarged to cover all of Bavaria in 1516 by Duke Wilhelm mm. the fourth. 
uh, as an attempt to increase the quality of the local beer. At this time, official beer tasters were appointed. Their duty could... What what did that job pay? Uh, Their duty was to verify the quality of each brewer's product thrice per week in the summer and twice in the winter. Oh. Uh, For years, local brewing talents continued to be meager in an effort to produce a reasonable drink. Duke Ludwig X brought a Brunswick brewmaster to Munich in 1540 for the express purpose of reproducing the strong beer of the North. Also in 1540, Einbeck set up a depot in Landshut, a short day's journey from Munich. And five years later, another in Munich itself. Eventually, under the reign of Wilhelm V, the Royal Court Brewery, the Hofbrauhaus Munich, or München, was constructed and completed on All Saints Day, 1589. Yeah. There's a a big name. (laughs) So, in the beginning of the 17th century, with the decline of the Hanseatic League already well underway, Munich breweries began to produce credible imitations of the northern beers. Let's tickle another historical fancy here. The Reformation and Counter-Reformation oh. created, yeah, the, this, the story of Bach just. <laughs> it's like uh, 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 the, the, the French wine stories. It's like, where, or the, 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 the Trappist where it's like, yeah. where do all the Trappists in France go? <laughs> well, Napoleon. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, all of their, oh, they, they unfortunately like to set up right along <laughs> those borders so the reformation counter-reformation created deep divisions between the catholic south and protestant north and that combined with the high cost of overland transportation caused bavaria to be even more isolated from the north than in the previous century with little hope of obtaining the imported beers the Muncheners uh, were forced to make their own <laughs> make our own beer blackjack and hookers Get the blackjack and the hookers. We'll just kidnap someone. At the time, uh, Munich made two general styles of beer, brown beer and vice beer. Brown beer was an all-barley malt beer, brown with red highlights. The original Hofbrauhaus House became known as the Old Brown Brewery, and a second brewery was built in 1602 called the White Brewery. Who could have guessed that? Reflecting We've which... Got- <laughs> yeah. Reflecting which types of beer were made in each. The Weiss beer was a sour wheat beer that today we would more closely associate with Berlin. Casey's correcting oh. the pronunciation. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying we've got both types of beer, country and Western. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, I was just thinking of the uh, uh, sour. I was like, oh, so they made Berliner Weiss in Munich. <laughs> Uninic vice, I don't know. I can't make it sound the same. Uh, in 1612, Duke Maximilian uh, I persuaded brewmaster of Einbeck, Elias Pickler, Pitchler, to come to Munich. Once in Munich, the brewmaster was not allowed to leave the town. So valuable were his skills considered. Two years later, in 1614, the Hofbrauhaus introduced its version of the Einbecker beer, Brewed at the Brown Brewery. They just literally chained this man up in the basement until he <laughs> kidnapped the brewers. Yeah, until he until he gave them the secrets. 
1638, the strong beer was released to the general public. It was instantly popular and required the brewery to expand several times to make up for the displaced brown beer production. <laughs> that tracks. <sighs> I, for some reason, like, uh, okay, so the next section is just the goat, but. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the greatest I was of like, all time. That's where my head went first, and then I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, okay. Who's the goat? Who's no, the literal goat. goat. No. Hey, um, the origin of the term Bach beer has many different theories. Uh, one theory asserts that the beer was only produced under the sign of Capricorn the goat, Bach being the German word for billy goat. Meh. <laughs> and that's in late December and January when that occurs. Uh, this seems least credible since the beer was produced whenever feasible. So the most widely accepted belief is that the name comes from the corruption of the Einbeck name. Because drunkenness uh, finds a way. Give me, yeah. give me, give me that Einbeck. Einbeck. And Einbeck. Yeah, that's a variant. Uh, in the Bavarian dialect of German called Bayerisch, that's what we're saying, uh, the locally produced imitation of the fine beer imported from the north was called Einbeck. Uh, the Bavarian prediction for the late, for the hard P sound in pre- preference to the softer B extended to the word beer as well, consequently known as peer. Uh, one can see it spelled as peer in the text of the Reinheitsgebot. We so they, they, they docked in Munich? Isn't it landlocked? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we may reasonably believe that this was shortened to um, Piksha, Pier, or just, uh, so I guess it'd be Pock. Pocksha Pier, or Pock Pier, Bach Beer. So, um, so yeah, language, super fun. Um, <laughs> the best and least feasible is a story from 100 Years of Brewing, a knight of Brunswick who having cast aspersions upon the beer offered him by Duke Christophe of Bavaria, was challenged by the enraged brewmaster to a formal drinking bout. Is anyone else picturing one that was picturing, chained up? I could say anyone else picturing uh, Christoph Waltz? <laughs> also, uh, I mean, could be, Casey. I don't know what year this, this is supposed to have taken place in. True. Um, yeah, I have to imagine kidnapping brewers was a was a a, a, a rich German tradition. <laughs> I mean, given how many of them there were, yeah. You, I mean, you just you took that gamble if you're kidnapping someone. Find ah, oh, damn, they're a brewer. <laughs> a lot of them about. Uh, upon the day of the contest, the castle of the Bavarian lord was beautifully decorated, and the ladies of the court were present in great numbers to witness the outcome. Suddenly. The band, which had been discoursing martial airs, stopped, and a keg of Brunswick beer and one of Bavaria were placed side by side. The brewmaster drank from the Brunswick keg and the Brunswick knight from that of Bavaria, two immense vessels, holding more than two gallons each, being the das bumpers. Boot. <laughs> yeah. Das Boot! Each drained his gigantic cup. And the keg stand was born. 
(laughs) The gentleman from Brunswick still making sarcastic remarks about the strength of the court beer of Munich. The, or quote, the brewmaster, however, was confident that his opponent would finally succumb despite his bold front and, as he handed him the second cup, said, now we will empty another to your health and, in half an hour... The one who can thread a needle while standing on one foot shall be declared the winner. (laughs) Obviously. When the vessels had been again emptied, a maid was sent for needles and thread, and returning, carelessly left open the gate of the courtyard. At the very moment that each contestant was preparing to stand on one leg and attempt his task, a pet goat frisked into the yard. The Bavarian brewmaster succeeded in threading his needle, while the Brunswick knight dropped his three times and concluded by falling and rolling on the pavement, claiming that the Bach had thrown him. Duke, <coughs> Duke Christoph and his court were convulsed with laughter, remarking, quote, The Bach that threw you uh, that threw you over was brewed by me. <laughs> uh, seems legit. I, what I, I choose to believe that one. What uh, uh, what I would like to to think of is this is this has opened up a whole new avenue of historical drinking that I hadn't <laughs> considered, which is drinking duels to the death. <laughs> you sir, I demand satisfaction. Choose your weapon: beer. What? <laughs> Whiskey. <laughs> First one who dies. <laughs> yeah. That's Andre the Giant, and he just choose your weapon. <laughs> Alcohol. <laughs> Pure alcohol. <laughs> uh, I can't talk. I can't even try. He talked like in the back of his throat. It was like, it's so hard to replicate. Because we found the lady. Hello, lady. Hello, lady. Uh, this next one is the, so the styles. Is it Altes Bach? Is that how you say it? Sure. Altes. Uh, the prefix alt means old, old style or old fashioned. And used... Oh, they made old fashioned. <laughs> Yum. And with, old with, style. With Bach beer. I would die. Um, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a, a cocktail that's going to be like an old fashioned. I'm just going to call it an old style. <laughs> old school. Uh, it's used to imply that the item is created in the original or old time way. Unfortunately, there is not enough detailed information to know that we have really brewed the uh, Salvatore of the 1780s, the Einpachschik, I'm sorry, Einpachisches. You've not even gotten beer? to the real hard one. Yeah, of 1614, or the Einbecker beer of the 1300s. The difficulty in producing old-fashioned beers is that the techniques used are unclear. The actual barley hops and wheat strains are unknown and unavailable. The yeasts are unobtainable, and the accompanying microflora indeterminate. Wait, you're telling me that this is what they were fighting over in Avatar? <laughs> the yeast? Unobtainable, essentially. Uh, furthermore, people's tastes change. What was, quote, pleasant acidity in the Middle Ages may be rather sour today. <laughs> Well, when everything was sour, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a context problem. Uh, in when total, beer. when sourdough was the norm, that was just dough. <laughs> just dough. Uh, yeah. 
In total, the task seems pretty daunting. Uh, we know that hard-won brewing gains were considered trade secrets passed on only through apprenticeship, never written down where prying eyes might find them. There are accounts of the Einbecker brewmaster who moved south to Munich, which imply that he was a tailor or a trader to his city. Yeah. Prying eyes, the watching <laughs> you. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mittelalter Einbecker beer. This beer was made from a grist of one-third wheat malt and two-third barley malt using the palest malts available. Most beer of the time was very dark brown or black because there was little control over the malting and killing, kilning process. The color here indicated is a bit darker than modern English pale ales, which, although they are amber in color, got that name because they were the palest beers of their time. That's the the huge thing from this that kind of, I don't know why I usually, I think it's just because we think of easy drinking mass market beers as these, you know, crystal clear pale beers. And when something's, you know, oh, it's using, it, it, this is an English pale ale. It's going to be, you know, rather pale. And it's like, no, no, it's uh when, when they called it a pale ale, it looked like an English mild. <laughs> yeah. Pale compared to the, the sludge they were drinking. You could maybe chew it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't smoked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the yeast used was, wait, is that the right? Yeah. The yeast used was wild, but selected. Barrels that produced bad beer were destroyed, <laughs> and good ones reused. That uh, was their was punishment beer. for betraying the masses. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, it <laughs> How was, could you do this to me, beer? I trusted you. <laughs> it was undoubtedly a mix of a mixed culture of Saccharomyces cerevisiae and other Saccharomyces species, probably including Brettanomyces species and bacteria. Yeah, Brett, uh, Brett notoriously doesn't play well. Mm. <laughs> I I am just picturing like if we tried to follow the recipe in like lab conditions now, and then we give that beer back to someone back in that time, they're like, "What is this? Yeah, yeah. where's where's the kick? Yeah, uh, it tastes no farmyard. Yeah. This, is, this is not it. It doesn't taste like goat. <laughs> doesn't taste Ew. like sour goat's fur. <laughs> it's really specific." Uh, in such circumstances, the yeast would be very under-attenuating by modern standards, and the resulting beer would have much more body and sweetness than a beer of today. Modern mashing and uh, loudering Louder. techniques were unknown, so it's likely that a great deal of unreduced starch and protein was carried over into the boil and subsequent fermentation. This would produce higher gravities, but would not add to the sweetness of the beer. The beer was only produced... These beers were practically black holes. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> no, sorry. It's just the, a better Terry Pratchett joke. <laughs> sorry, the, 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 the laughing, I think, from Casey got me on that one. It's basically like... I can expect to see that in a Terry Pratchett thing, like the beers from the mended drum were... Basically, the gravity so high, they were basically black holes. Black holes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the beer was only produced during the cold part of the year and was consumed within a few months of the end of fermentation. So some of the more fastidious organisms would not have had a chance to work. This, along with the testimony of Taberner, Tabern Amontanus, Am Amontanus 
uh, leads to the conclusion that the beer had a noticeable but not strong acidity. Ibeck is situated at the headwaters of the tributaries of the uh, Lene River, question mark, uh, and surrounded by mountains. Its water is very soft snow melt. This water does not travel very far, and it's all above ground, so we can assume that it would not pick up any mineral hardness. Hops are no longer grown in the region, but we can assume that they were low alpha varieties. Um, they were all low alpha varieties in the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they had, oh my God, imagine giving someone like a, an IPA, <laughs> oh, a West yeah. Coast IPA. Yeah, they'd be like, this. what is this? Try this Centennial. <laughs> and they'd be like, oh God. <laughs> ah, ah, what have you done? Oh yeah. You'd be. What is science rot? Yeah. Well, then, you know, they weren't used to even the piney resin. Like, their their flavors were more earthy and herbal. Yeah. 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 Show um, them a, a, a hazy a hazy New England. They're like, something's wrong here. These are the worst hops ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think your hops are working. Did you put them in here? <laughs> and that is even as mo- more recent as, like, the 70s and 80s. If you got citrus, it was thrown out in hop breeding. Can you imagine? Uh, it's like that's horrible. <laughs> you could have, you could have been living the life. Uh, what have we done? Look, let's go back to Christ. <laughs> Do your cats reenact the Lion King again? I think so. They just cannonballed up their cat condo <laughs> because cats. Uh, okay. Since Einbeck often falls below freezing during the winter and all beer was brewed from fall through spring, the implication is that the hops would have been relatively fresh. The hopping rate must have been very high to counter the sweetness of the under-attenuated beer and also to keep the non-saccharomyces organisms at bay. I'm also just now thinking about, it's like, oh yeah, they f- during you know, below freezing during the winter. <gasps> the ice buck. We're oh, getting yeah. to it. Thank you, Brittany. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're uh, doing a translator. Uh, yes, I how to am. pronounce? <laughs> <laughs> Just see when we see highlighting in the script, we know someone is either helping us figure out where we are or <laughs> trying to copy paste into a pronunciation guide. Takes a village. I'm going to take a guess and go Ein Pokashes Pokashe. I'm I, I I I don't think I can say it the the the, the way I want to try to say it because it's I'm Pakashais Pier. On God, I I can. I, problem is I'm about to say it like when I when my brain tries to read it as, and I say it in like a, a with an accent. Ain Pakarchisis. I I can I can hear like a cousin or something say. Ain Pakarchisis. Ain Pakarchisis. She she played it's it. Like, played again. Ain Pakarchisis. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's a shitty I don't think anyone else could hear it, but no. Nope. Yeah, just follow your heart. Yep, I like where that went. <laughs> well, this Bach beer was produced by the Hofbrauhaus Munich, Munchen. I don't know even how to say it. Munich? Yes. It's Munich. Uh, so. After they obtained the secrets of brewing used in Einbeck. Yes, they obtained they them people. by kidnapping the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnap and torture. <laughs> 
<laughs> like uh, obtaining the secrets that sound like they 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 like they they found the hidden scrolls in a heist and they 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 broke their way out instead it's just like you know uh they found uh, the hidden uh, scrolls inside the man's head and broke his legs so he couldn't <laughs> run away i was gonna say like they 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 just like see him on the like quick toss him into the back of the cart yeah <laughs> where am i going <laughs> Oh. This was a, a mayor at that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the beer is made from an all barley malt mash, as the Rhine Heights had already long been the law of the land. To complicate things further, although the brewmaster from the north would have wanted to specify pale malts that would not have been proven feasible. The water in the Isar River that flows through Munich is a chalky green color. Oh, Ugh. wonderful. It contains lots of carbonates. Ugh. Pushing Munich breweries to use acidifying darker malts. As this beer was bro- brewed for local uh, usage and therefore quicker consumption with less handling involved, there must have been an even smaller chance for the competing organisms to gain a foothold. Thus, this beer was probably less acidic than its northern co- cousins. Sankt Vaterbier. So, what's Sankt? The Saint Father beer? Yes. Okay. Uh, this beer was originally brewed by the Brothers of Saint Francis from the Italian city of Paula for their own consumption. Is that really Paula? <laughs> <laughs> for their own consumption during times of fasting. This is the way to go. It was introduced as a nutrient substitute for solid food. As such, the goal was not to have high alcohol, at least no higher than necessary to preserve the beer through fast periods, but instead to carry as much food value as possible. The beer did not have a long shelf life. It was prepared for a known fixed time and only enough to carry through was made. It was drunk relatively fresh rather than having a significant lagering period and had a lower hopping rate. This gave the beer an even sweeter finish, producing a very satisfying effect, just the thing required by the monks. Luke, I am your brewer. Yeah. Sorry, we said Vater, and that's all. I, I want I want to make a Sankt Father, a Saint Father beer or something along those. Maybe it's Christmas beer. Ooh, there you go. Oh, sorry. Now I'm trying to think of like how you would make that out of like a, a, a Christmas, Christmas ale, like a Christmas Bach, essentially. Oh, oh, that's that's an easy one. We could do that easy. And I'm just, well, I'm just kind of thinking like, like a... a you get a couple extra spices in there, but you kind of like have a low ABV to make it kind of, I don't know. Sorry. Quaffable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Dunkel's call, call it the Call it the Sankt, the Sankt Nichols. Mm, old Sankt Nichols. All right. The Dunkel's Bach has a link to the past of Bach beers. This is a standard bearer of the style from 1614 into this century. I, now, heard, no. I heard Knuckles Bach, and I was like, what, what? What? How? How many knuckles? Sonic's Bach. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, that that doesn't imply the existence of a tails a tails Bach and a Sonic Bach. Yep. The Sonic Bach is just a Bach you get at a you drink in a parking lot at a Sonic. <laughs> what would the tails be? Uh, it's uh, uh made out of the the last dregs of your. Have your Gruet. All right. Well, now, however, this beer, the Dunkelsbach, has been mostly supplanted by the Hellas varieties. Finding mm-hmm. a commercial example is becoming increasingly difficult. 
Curiously, the Hofbrau Munich, originator of the style, does not currently produce one. But Einbecker Brauhaus, which originally produced a pale beer, does. There you huh. go. Outside of Germany, there is a this is the predominant style left over from a time when the style emerged. Sorry, immigrated, immigrated into foreign lands. <laughs> I'm just picturing the beer in foreign lands going, I come from the land of the ice and snow. It did. It did. True. Doppelbach originated independently. From, ooh, I want to make a Bach. We've got Queen. an area of the brewery that is unheated or cooled. And so if I just put it in barrels and put it in there, it could do its own little overwinter aging. That would be really cool. Queen Doppelbachalus. <laughs> Sorry, it's a it's a C Lab twenty twenty one reference. Couldn't stop it. This happens. Doppelbox originated independently from the Dunkel's box, but they have grown closer together over time. As Hellas box have begun to take over the box niche, the darker beers have become crowded together. There are now a few pale Doppelbox, uh, Doppelbox appearing on the market. Those pale Doppelbox are more like the Dunkel's box than the Hellas box, with only the color change and lower melanoid content in flavor and aroma to distinguish them. Without the bitterness as a foil... They are sweeter in taste and finish. That's why I like I, those beers. I thought that said uh, melatonin. Well, I mean, once you. <laughs> Especially when you're talking about like it changing the, the, the color. My brain was like, wait, melatonin, melanin, melanin. Mm. I get those confused in my brain a lot. They are in a very oh, yeah. similar file. And every time I do- the doctor's like, are you having trouble sleeping? You should take some. Uh, and I, my brain goes melanin. No. You're like, what's a tan have to do with this? <laughs> well, in fairness, I get very sleepy when I sunburn. Well, yes, yes, because the sun tries to kill us all. That's why it does. Well, it tries to kill us two. Uh, those two, less so. Yeah, I uh... tan. Right, I know you, yeah. son of a. I was looking at my arm the other day because we had been spending a little bit more time at the pool like every weekend, and I was like, oh, I'm getting dark. I would like to keep this. And then I popped my pop because I had had one too many Modellos and uh, <laughs> decided that I was going to go without a swim shirt and much to the chagrin of everybody else. And uh, I started to burn like in 10 minutes with sunscreen on. I was like, I haven't had my shirt off in decades. That's why mm-hmm. I got off work like 45 minutes early one day and there's a park right by work. And I, there's a, slightly secluded part of a walking track and I took my shirt off and went for a like 10 minute walk. It was like, that's enough exposure to not burn me <laughs> and like prep the, uh, the skin of my back and stomach. Mm-hmm. And even though it was only like 10, 15 minutes, I still had like a reddish band on my gut, like on the top <laughs> of my, my gut where I was getting more sun than anything else. See, and what I'm doing is the uh, the fake stuff. So mm. <laughs> I'm staying inside. That. Remain indoors. <laughs> I saw this. Well, we've got the Hellesbach and the Maybach or Maybach. Hellesbach is a relatively recent arrival to the Bach family, although the original Einbecker was described as pale. It's a relative pale color to the other very dark beers of its day. Hellesbach is the result of scientific investigation and technological advances. Science! 
malting and brewing. Um, when we say technological advances, we're talking the technological advances of like the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, really, because it's like the 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 way that you kind of dry the malt out. That's the that's the big portion of it. Um, used to, we would have to do a lot of work to get that dry and and basically meant to burn it. But now you can you can just kind of basically get get it dry. Um, these have reduced a beer only half as dark as the palest beer of the past. Primary sources that have previously enforced the exclusive production of dark beers. Even so, the Hellas box are designed to walk a fine line between blandness and too much color. The dark color that comes with large quality of quantities of melanoids, mel, mel, melanoids, melanoidins. There we go. I couldn't get that last little bit. Are not wasted, but their flavors and aromas are. To achieve this balance, these beers use Dunkelsmalls, although the quantities employed are much lower than with the Dunkels box. Basically, a dark malt, um, a roasted malt of sorts. From the, a beer that is one third higher in original gravity than a common Pilsner, we see at least two to four times as much color. These beers are deep gold to light amber in range, and as a result of the comp. Of, as a result of the compromise in ingredients. Maybach is a subtype of Hellesbach, and it's brewed to the same general specifications as a Hellesbach, but with more aging and more hops, up to perhaps 35 IBUs, which would be fairly aggressive in a lower-gravity beer. Maybach has little more color, um, with a little more color with uh, 11 SRM or 25 EBC um, SRM is usually what we're using here in the States, uh, which brings it to the light to medium amber range. The hops may even have a cameo appearance in the nose of the beer, but still remain in the background relative to the fresh malty aroma, which is enhanced by the addition of a bit more dark malt. I know that beer. Hmm. And a, a more assertive version of the Hellsbach, the Maybach adds some spice and flair to the reawakening of spring. Yeah. And finally, the old Mac Daddy, the big boy, the ice box. <laughs> beer liquor. This is a <laughs> specialty beer produced by the Kumbacher Reichelbrau Brewery in Northern Bavaria. I still the remember the Kombucha Rauch beer. I still remember when you accidentally uh, uh, craft, yeah, you, you ice boxed a beer. And yep. we're like, all right. <laughs> That works for me. Uh, some craft breweries outside the United States have attempted this style occasionally. There's a reason why. One reason for its rarity may be that the extra equipment needed to produce it. Another, at least within the United States, said ice block production requires a distilling license <laughs> if the finished beer has an effective gravity higher than its original. The idea behind Ostbach is that the final product is distilled to some extent by freezing the water and removing the remaining liquid, thereby concentrating all the flavors, components, and alcohol. This process also has the effect of magnifying any off flavors. This can make esters particularly noticeable, resulting in very fruity and L-like flavors. Intense Welcome. L-like flavors. Welcome of flavor country for sure um nail polish remover gets yeah. really intense on these um it's a it's a pretty big like you just basically take your beer and freeze it and then you just like you would with like a let's say you're you're having a slushy and 
you basically put your slushy into a strainer and drain out the the liquid that's flavorful and leave the ice behind. That's more or less what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that. <laughs> what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> that's. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so there we yeah, have it. Basically... And that's uh, what a lot. To, well, our last episode on Bach beer was literally a reading of the BJCP style guide and then us saying, oh, yeah, Cincinnati, we have a, the world's largest Bach festival. You should come to it. <laughs> and that There's was so much it. More yeah. All it took was... Uh, I mean, that was ba- back in the day. All it took was a search on Amazon.com to find an entire book on it. <laughs> a good book at that. Yeah, actually, it's really good. I may pop that one open. I think there are recipes in it. I may pop it open and see what I can find for maybe a, a new beer. Oh, there's a ton. Like the the whole back half of the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's time to discuss what we've been drinking. Sparkling Muscatel, one of the finest wines of Idaho. Uh, would you taste it for us, please? <clears throat> Ooh. Excellent choice. Should be for 95 cents. Mm. <laughs> well, uh... The Miss, Piggy, the Miss Piggy, ooh, at the end of that. That's always the, every, every always time. sells it. Yeah. Mm. So fancy. So, um, it's not box season. Box nope. are kind of hard to come by. Um, yep. And honestly, I remember in the past, uh, Rogue's Dead Guy Ale was actually a Maybach. But uh, I actually didn't have time to run out to try and find some and to reconfirm if it was still actually a Maybach. Uh, So we did happen to find the new Sam Adams seasonal pack is out, and they have a Munich Dunkel in there. Oh. Mm. Good, actually. Called Flannel Fest. And I was like, honestly, the Munich Dunkel, I was like, that, after writing the episode, I was like, is basically a Bach beer. I was like, it's it's ticking like 90% of the boxes. So we're going to run with that. Uh, what do we have? Is there a description? Featuring robust notes of toasted bread and caramel, balanced by light floral hop aroma. This classic German-style lager, uh, lager paired with the flannel will keep you cozy during your coldest of beer season adventures. Yes, yes, if only our coldest. Were... Not that we just had literally the hottest day of the year. So if only it felt like that right now. Heat index was 111. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, good. Uh, very tasty. I don't what. Sorry, I'm trying to read it on the fly here. 5.2%. Uh, alcohol, mm. uh, 20 IBUs. So, yeah, I mean, mm. like, it seems to, that's why in my head I was like, this really tick. it doesn't come out and call it a box. I was like, it really ticks a lot of the boxes. And it's pretty cool. decent. I'm still mad at the fact that they do not actually have, like, well, they put the chocolate box in the winter seasonal. Yeah, yeah. Which, I think that's fair with that one. I don't know. Um... The, yeah, because the only, uh, it was the Flannel Fest, and then 
What's the other one? It was got a, a hoppy something or other. Yep. Uh, I don't remember the name of it now, but that the only two new ones in the uh, seasonal pack. But I mean, otherwise, like it, it's a pretty good pack. <laughs> I saw that pack actually recently, and I I almost came out here buying it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just get something simpler. I'm just sad that what was it for two years they actually made a legitimate fest beer, not yeah. an Oktoberfest, but like a legit oh, yeah, fest yeah. beer, and they've stopped. Yeah, they made it hard to get, and then just decided now. <laughs> I'm like, why? It's like. Give it to me in six packs. That's all I want. <laughs> Seems like no one, uh, no one's buying this harder to find beer. Yeah. Well. All right. Uh, I've been uh, doing double duty today. I had a couple of different beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was uh, Old Reliable from uh, Mirror Twin Brewing. Uh, just a lager, like a four percent. It's just a beer ass beer that was fine. Uh, uh, it does say on the can, uh, "one of a kind beer for a one for a uh, uh, one of a kind people." Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Yeah, it, it's fine. It it's just it's just a nice, cool lager for you know it being a billion degrees lately. It was helping. Uh, and then uh, I moved on to uh, what's essentially just become my uh, uh, my 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 home drinking beer, which is the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm. It's it's just every time I grab it, I'm like I'm never I'm never disappointed, and it's just a nice, easy to pick up, like six pack of cans, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be good for for a week or so. It's it's so good because you can find what you want in it. Yeah, like it's just like whatever you're looking for. You'll find it in a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. A lot of friends, uh, some of my brewer friends in town were also just like, they'll, you know, I'll have one up uh, when we're somewhere and they're just like, I'm like, yeah, sorry, I'm just getting a uh, Pale Ale. They're like, don't need to apologize for that. It's a good beer. It's good for a reason. <laughs> it's malty, it's hoppy. I mean, it's just got, um, again, whatever your brain wants to focus on, you'll find in it. Mm-hmm. You want malty sweetness? Bam, it's in there. You want, you know, you want big pine, it's in there. You want some, you know, you want some citrus notes, it's in there. It's just it's all there, baby. Yeah. How about you, Casey? I am um uh drinking a beer that I absolutely hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I hate those shows. Uh I got a, a pack of Voodoo Ranger. Um mm. But this is the Voodoo Ranger Brute Force, oh. a Brute Punch IPA. Oh, oh no. good lord! Why? And it's not as bad that it's fruit flavored, but it's nine point five percent alcohol, so it's fruit flavor and very alcoholic. Like, doesn't hide it well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been what I've been drinking. You don't, knock it, don't it buy that. Like- it you know. sounds like that would actually fly off the shelves in a college town. Oh, it's it's like you can tell it's like fruit punch flavor they've put in there. That's uh, that's all it is. I mean, uh, like I said, in a college town, that's all the kids are wanting. <laughs> I'm picturing like a Hawaiian punch uh, and poured into a beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, except that would be better. Yeah, probably would. At least probably be. 
<laughs> Again, like most beers, this this has no sweetness to it. So fruit punch should have sweetness. Yeah. Like, Look, if no. New Belgium doesn't put out the atomic pumpkin this year, I'm they did. Gonna... It just it they just did. they just announced it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Good. Or just put it on the website, I guess. But yeah. Uh, you you already you want to start calling them war criminals. I mean, they're already war criminals, but mm-hmm. that's uh, their take on a pumpkin beer is is one of the most refreshing things. Really that good. has ever come for that segment of beer. And they're like, let's just dump peppers in this bad boy. Let's spice it up. <laughs> does, a different kind it, of pumpkin spice. It does help because we're entering, entering the dark times of beer for me. I am Everywhere pump- I look, someone's like, would you like some pumpkin? Never. Not once. The, the Jacko is in the harvest pack. Sam Adams. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. well, you'll be happy to know, Bob. It is not what was it? It was like a couple years ago that it was literally just Boston Lager, Oktoberfest, and then two separate pumpkin beers <laughs> that were in. Yeah, I do remember that back. one. Just like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> yeah, it was very polarizing, and they learned their lesson. Well, today's episode was written. By Chris. Uh, not a meat popsicle, as it says in the script. Uh, using sources from, or source from, Classic Beer Styles uh, series, Book Nine, Bach, by Daryl Richmond. Uh, very good, very good book. We need to get, like, we seriously need to get the whole list oh, of yeah. our source books. And with uh, Casey introducing me to this one, I'm like, no, we need to go back like this kind of revisit of, of topics we did dirty in our first year or two. <laughs> we didn't needs know. to happen. Well, I mean, that's 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 the whole thing is like we, we are learning along. So that's why we're doing the revisits, because it's time to realize we've learned more. Yeah. I can hear uh, esters and uh, phenols and not pass out. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. all matured. Yeah, greatly. We drink just... IPAs. Ugh. <laughs> Some of us. I've, I've kind of gotten them back out of them again. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, give me a Modelo or a Bushlight now. I mean, I, you know, it, that can have its place, but. <laughs> but, you know where you can find your place. You could subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com and have a, uh, follow us at haveadrinkshow on social media and twitch.tv. And you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. Uh, you can uh, send carrier pigeons. Uh, still waiting on, on the last batch I sent out. Uh, They're not I coming hope, back. I don't, I don't think they are. I think uh, you turn them loose right beside of the Olympic shooting sport. <laughs> that, that was a problem. I, the, the other option was, uh, 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 through no man's land during the artillery barrage. So yeah. <sighs> or yeah. you can also use the feedback page on the website. Are they trapped behind enemy lines in the Argon? <laughs> uh, Define trapped. <laughs> it's uh it's it's Ypra out there right now, I'm sorry to say. All joking put aside, we need to update the the beginning of the sign off because we don't do anything on Twitch anymore. Well that only just started though. And it needs to be social media and YouTube. 
We need to update a lot of things, okay? Calm down. <laughs> We're so 80s style. All Jackie and Fun aside, like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you can check us out uh, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and uh, the next audio episode, ideally in another couple of weeks for that. It's Depends. been a little delayed in the last one, and I apologize for that. That's my bad. Um, but yes. So uh, also remember to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash have a drink show. Somehow we still have patrons on there. You also, get nothing. Uh, just forewarning, you're getting nothing extra. Sometimes you'll get stuff extra. Sometimes. Um, then have a drink store.com. We do have some, some fun things on there and I would like to make some like Halloween kind of geared stuff for the show on there too. But yeah, that's, that's where we're at right now. So, uh, once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. In that case, surprise. We'll see you next time. Bye guys. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>